Now, uh, let's get a shift on, Vicky. Yeah. It's time for the Word. We're all together today. We're going to dramatise uh, the reading of the Word. Remember, okay. it's Epiphany time. Okay, so Steve is going to, Steve Charman's going to narrate from the stage. Um, Diana in that coat could be none other than King Herod. So she's on a bar stool. The chief priest has to be Steve, so he's on a bar stool next to her. Me? You, yeah. Okay, I'll do what you you say. Yep. Um, We have a Magi representative, that's Kathy. She needs some help. So if you're a young person or a kid and you'd like to be one of the Magi, go and find Kathy over there. Can you wave to us, Kathy? There we go. Who are you, Di? I'm Herod. Di's Herod. I'm going to give Kathy a microphone. She's the first one that needs it. I'm a chief priest. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm on hand in case things go wrong, but I think we're ready to go. Okay. okay. So the reading this morning, all the words are going to be on the screen. There will be some words in bold for you to take part in as well. But the reading comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And it's the coming of the Magi. Uh, right, so when it says take part, all, we need big... Big Big response. Big input from everyone. Yes. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of the King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star and have come to worship him. It's over the stable. Goodness me, there are a lot of you. That's blown the three kings Hang out on, of the they've, water. They've gone away with the microphone. Hang on. Sorry. <laughs> We're going You'll to be plan. needing that. <laughs> when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Oh, uh. <laughs> And all Jerusalem with him. Oh, uh. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, yeah? For this is what the prophet has written, yeah? But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, yeah? Are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, yeah? For out of you will come a ruler, yeah? Who will shepherd my people Israel, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said... Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Yeah. (laughs) After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They then opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country via another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Yeah. Right, just as we settle, I shall say a prayer. Lord, I ask that you would reveal yourself 
We thank you for your revelation. We thank you that you sent your son. And we pray that you will open your word to us. And we pray in his name. Amen. Morning. Just looking at that picture of the magi on their camels. I've got two memories from my childhood about this. The first is the mysterious kingdom of Orientar, which apparently had three kings all at the same time. If you remember, we three kings of Orientar. That's what it meant to me when I was a little girl. Even more confusingly in our family, Orient or the Orient always meant Leighton Orient Football Club. <laughs> so there was some confusion. Uh, more to the point, I remember many a nativity play when three kings in dressing gowns followed hot on the heels of the angels and the shepherds to pile into the stable and complete the tableau around the crib. And there was usually a mention of their camels and how they travelled night after night, although magically everybody seemed to arrive at precisely the same moment. But if you are following our dramatised reading, which comes from Matthew's Gospel, you'll have noticed that the church traditions over the years have added all sorts of extra lovely details and layers, but what Matthew actually says is quite simple. There are some magi. They come from the east. They see a new rising star and follow it. They want to pay homage to a new king, but they need some help to find him. And most importantly of all, they do find him and give him gifts and worship him to their great joy. Are they kings? It doesn't say that they're kings. Are there three of them? There's no real reason to think there were only three. There are three sorts of gifts mentioned. That's where the number three has come from. Are they called Caspar, Melchior and Balthazar? It's a nice tradition, but we can't know. They would have had foreign sounding names, of course. Did they have camels? Probably, I guess. Did they follow a star? Absolutely. The star, or whatever it is that they see in the sky, is central to Matthew's story. I thought today we could celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany by looking at some paintings and art about the coming of the Magi. Some of its classical and Renaissance paintings, some are more modern and some are more ancient. And they might help us to notice what is important. Because something here is really important. This was how Matthew the Gospel writer chose to tell the story of God's gift and Jesus' birth. Where Luke talked about angels and shepherds, Matthew told it this way. So what did Matthew see and what did he want his readers to understand? Epiphany means a revelation. Matthew wanted to show an amazing revelation by God to some quite strange people, the Magi from the East. This revelation had three parts. There was a star, there was scripture, and then there was the encounter with the baby himself. 
This is a painting by Hossein Behzad, who is a famous Iranian painter. Or he was a famous Iranian painter. He worked in the early 20th century, and his aim was to renew interest in traditional Iranian art and art themes, which is really interesting in an Islamist culture. Why has he chosen to depict the Magi? It's a Christian story and a Jewish setting, so why is it so important to Iran? Because the Magi have come from an Eastern culture, and even the word Magi links them with ancient Iran, possibly even Zoroastrians. And this is something truly remarkable in Matthew's account. If you look at these men, see how they are leaning forward gazing so intently, so curiously. What have they found? Is this what they came so far to seek? Matthew wanted to tell his readers, look, spiritual seekers from a completely different belief system came to Jesus. They were drawn to him. Their understanding of God was totally different from our own. But they came to him and in a sense, they recognized him. Jesus the baby, the king, was revealed among the nations. Or as Luke's gospel put it, the baby is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. God is revealing what he is doing to spiritual seekers. It is a wonderful and new thing. Now, this is a work by a contemporary American artist called Mike Savad. He's a photographic artist, which means he manipulates photos to make them look like old paintings. He has chosen to highlight something which comes out very strongly in Matthew's Gospel, that is, that something appeared in the sky. If you look, you'll see that Savad has clearly portrayed the star as a comet, Many of the early commentators, like some of the church fathers, and even up to the Reformation, spent a lot of time analysing what this star was, and whether it was a regular starry occurrence in the heavens, or more of a one-off event, like the appearance of a comet. They would have understood comets as belonging much nearer to the Earth, in the realms of the skies or the near heavens, rather than in the outer heavens. The reason this question became so important, what the star was, was firstly because the star's appearance and its movements are very prominent in the gospel passage and it doesn't behave like a normal star. It moves in the wrong direction and it seems to start and stop. So what is it? But a second question which people had was, was Matthew really saying astrology works? Can we work things out by using astrology because they're written in the stars? This was a real live issue in the early church. Maybe it's still a live issue today. But Matthew's gospel is not saying we can work things out from the stars. He is saying that God made a revelation in the heavens in a way that made sense to these spiritual seekers. 
It wasn't an astrological secret hidden in the stars, but rather it was God acting in his creation. And so an important message for Matthew and his readers, and for us, is that God reaches out and reveals himself more widely and to more people and in more ways than we sometimes give him credit for. Jesus is a light for revelation to the nations and God reaches out to those who seek him. They didn't have the whole picture, of course, and they didn't have the whole revelation yet, but they did have the star and a willingness to set out for more information. So these magi were people with some faith. That's Mike Savad's picture. Well, I bet you all know where this one comes from. It's medieval glass from Canterbury Cathedral, and it's part of a series of little pictures of the Magi. So you can see Herod sitting down looking thoughtful. He's got his hand under his chin with one of the chief priests and teachers of the law behind him. And then on the other side, the three Magi, one of them is pointing as if to say, we came this way. And then right at the top, there's the little star. This is where they turn up in Jerusalem and say, where is he? Where is he then? You've obviously got this big thing with a new king that presumably you know all about. We would like to get with the program too. Just tell us what to do. Of course, the irony is that in Jerusalem, nobody has got with the program. Even though they have all the scriptures and prophecies. And even though these Eastern Magi have now turned up with a new bit of the picture, there is the revelation of the star and the revelation of scripture. But Herod is just defensive and troubled and later, of course, devious and murderous. The Magi have come so far on the slimmest of evidence to the shame of a king and his advisers who should have been ready who should have known all along, and now they must press on alone while anxious leaders plot in Jerusalem. It's as if Matthew is saying, if we think we've got it all and have all the scriptures and knowledge, be careful because God's purposes are bigger than we realize and we should expect the unexpected. And maybe he's also saying to us, be like the Magi, press on. This is for you and for all sorts of people and don't let anything or anyone put you off. So here they are then, pressing on. I love this one, especially the animal fur leggings. This is from a mosaic from Ravenna in Italy from about the year 600, so it's 1,400 <coughs> years old. You can see at the top that they have already acquired their traditional names, Balthasar, Melchior and Caspar. And their little red caps are a sign that they are from an eastern country. And they are carrying their gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, to be offered as homage to a king. 
Well, we can now see all sorts of extra significance in these gifts. Gold suggests Christ the King. Frankincense, worship. Myrrh, Christ's burial, and all that. But they probably just represented the best and most usual gifts of gold and precious spices that it would have been appropriate to offer to a great and significant king. I don't know if you can make out, but the, the man on the right is carrying what looks like a tray of mince pies. Just next to it, there's a little tiny hand reaching out, just in the margin. That's not the baby Jesus reaching out to take the gifts. It's just that in the mosaic, there is an angel with outstretched hands in the next scene, and it's just crept into that picture. This is a fresco, which is a wall painting by Giotto in Padua from about the year 1300. So it's about 150 years after our old church was built. I would say that's a pretty early attempt to paint camels in Western art, wouldn't you? <laughs> There's something is not quite right around the ears. <laughs> but this is it, the moment of the third and final revelation. They have arrived. They come forward to kneel before him and kiss him. The scene has been painted <coughs> with a wonderful simplicity on a very human scale. I find this a deeply spiritual painting. You can see that Giotto has gone with the traditional interpretation of the star as a comet. It's just above the roof of the stable. And the lad looking up at the camel is a nice touch, but really our attention is directed to the encounter of worship. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they also, we are told, rejoiced with an exceeding great joy. But here, this is not a showy joy. It is utterly meaningful and worshipful, the goal and end of their spiritual journey, or at least a stage on their journey, because they are about to disappear out of the story and we don't get to find out what happened afterwards. And wouldn't that just be a lovely place to finish a sermon? But I have two more pictures to show you. The first is about power, and the second is about conflict and confusion. This is Gentile da Fabriano's altarpiece, The Adoration of the Magi, 1423. Now, he was commissioned to paint the piece, and his patron appears in the painting. He is standing just behind the kind of splendid prince who's standing up with the red tights on. Just behind him, there's a man, and he's holding a falcon. It's a bit hard to see. He is the patron. He's painted him into the picture. Da Fabriano's painting is all about great power, great wealth, and great sophistication. It's painted in the costumes of the day, and they are fabulous. 
It's about the beautiful and powerful people of 15th century Florence. The Magi have most definitely morphed into kings and princes. You will see that the first king has put down his crown on the floor and the baby is blessing him. The second king is just reaching for his crown to remove it. And the third king is waiting his turn, presumably because he is the youngest. Now in the gospel story itself, of course, there are two kings. King Herod and King Jesus. There is a lot said about power and about bad power. And that is one of the ways Epiphany speaks into the world today. That there are tyrants, there is wealth and power, but that God has revealed something completely new and different in Jesus. Revealed himself in a baby, in a humble house. A baby whose family would soon flee for their lives. Jesus' story is a lot more gritty than this painting makes out, and it is a lot more subversive, really. So finally, I wanted to show you this, and I know it's quite hard to make out, but it's by Leonardo da Vinci. And it, it, is, it is his cartoon, his underdrawing, for an altarpiece which he was commissioned to paint. It's the same century as the last painting and the same subject, the adoration of the Magi, and they were probably expecting the same sort of painting, glitzy and beautiful with lots of gold. Now, Leonardo da Vinci worked on this for a long time, but in the end, his patrons didn't like what he'd done, and the project had to be scrapped. In fact, the whole thing was packed away Years later, another artist had to go at painting it over to see if it could be made saleable. But recently, the original cartoon has been fully revealed through x-rays and restored. What da Vinci had seen and what he had drawn is the Magi and Mary and Jesus in the middle, but all around the outside, and this isn't the whole picture, it's even bigger, there are scenes of mayhem, struggles, ruins, battles, and fighting. <coughs> Leonardo da Vinci wanted to show that this baby was overturning things, that he was turning the world on its head and turning the Magi's understanding and their world's understanding upside down. He really got how revolutionary Epiphany is. But sadly, his patrons were not after that kind of a painting. There were some spiritual seekers from a distant culture and religion. They weren't part of God's people. God gave them the revelation of a star, then of scripture, then of an encounter. He revealed himself to be a light to all the nations and to be God in Christ for people everywhere. And that is the little stick of dynamite which Matthew let off in today's gospel passage. Amen. <coughs>